Hey folks, Jesse here. This is part two of Heresy Book Club with Carol, Jason, and Megan. Again, this was recorded back in July, so sorry if there's some uh, audio issues. Uh, we learned and we got better. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome again to the second episode of Legion. I'm here today with Megan and Jason. How are you guys doing? Oh, you know, exceptional. Pretty all right. The cats have stopped fighting and they're not begging for food right now. So, you know, it's a good day. It's a good moment. Let's see how long it lasts. I mean, they are cats after all. Exactly, exactly. Maybe it'll last for the whole recording. That's what we're hoping for. Crossing my fingers. <laughs> so I, I said I was going to follow up and do this on our last podcast. And for some reason, Jason was not turned on by me saying, hey, take your top off. And he pointed out how much weirder that would be in a professional setting. Like to have only ever been in a work meeting with somebody and to tell some bo- subordinates to be like, hey, close the door. Now you. You take your top off. If I, I try to imagine this in the, one of my work meetings, and oh god, no! Right? Yeah. I, was, I, I tried. I, just, I tried to move on Jesse as well. I he did not appreciate it really enough. <laughs> so that leads me to my. I've, I've developed a theory because in this section of the book, so we all thought that was a little weird last week when he was telling her to take her shirt off. And it didn't work for, so we're, you know, 0 for 2 on that. And now, when we get into this portion of the book, we find out that after he gets back to the city from the dragon attacking him, he goes and he hides out in her apartment. Now, I just feel like something's weird about that, because I have to be honest, if after our first date, Jason was like, hey, um... Could you, you know, hide me from the police? I would wonder what the heck was going on. I, I mean, maybe that's just me, but I would be very concerned about why I need to hide him from the police after our first date. And I feel like she just did that so casually. Like, sure, I'll be happy to hide you from the police. She's been living, breathing military for a long time and the military are known for their structure their they're used to following orders i just feel like something's very off that this woman is like sure i'm gonna hide you from the police i'm not gonna let anybody know you're here not only is it weird how they were hooking up after he says that he hasn't felt a connection in 700 years but then to go the extra mile and hide somebody no. I mean, there are two options, I would, I would think. A, she absolutely fell in love with him and he's the only guy she ever wants to ever be with again, which I doubt. Or he just used some of his psychic skills to get her to do what he needs to. Hmm. Maybe They did not say that in the book. They didn't yeah. really say that he has influenced her, which we know she has some psychic ability. So I'm kind of wondering if she isn't trying to 
use him for some reason. I would, and I haven't figured out why she would do that yet. Now, what I would also wonder is, John Grammaticus, he ca- talks a little bit about how he felt in the presence of the emperor. Now, with him such a, being such a better or more powerful psyker, shouldn't there be something similar going on between him and her because she is also psychic but not way less? I, you know, I agree. It seems like, though, when he's around other psychers, he's not all that great at picking up on what they're doing. Because when he was around the Alpha Legion and he was around, uh, what was the other psyker's name? Shin? Shin? Uh, Sheer. 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 Thank you. When he was around him, he only knew that he had pyromancy after he saw him use it. Yeah, fair. Fair. And he did not seem to realize he was under the influence of a psyker until he was physically in the presence of Cher. And then he was like, oh, now I know what's been going on the whole time. And I'm not, obviously, I'm not a psyker. I've got none of those abilities. But when you suddenly start to feel sick and disoriented, don't you feel like you would think to yourself, hey, I wonder what's going on. This isn't normal. I am weak at a well-established explanation in this book here, or in the next few chapters. John Grammaticus is just kind of like um, overconfident. Yes, that's what I'm. That's why I'm kind of wondering if maybe he thinks that he's got a handle on things when he really doesn't. Like, how is he being manipulated that he doesn't even know yet? Well, it's the beauty of the Alpha Legion. Yeah. Do we truly ever know what they're doing? Do they even right. know? Well, that's true. But see, this is my first book, and this is part oh, of yeah. the reason that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't understand how the Alpha Legion really works other than they like to manipulate and do things behind the scenes. And it was so confusing in the first few chapters trying to figure out what was going on. And now it's it, maybe it's just me and I'm being conspiracy theorists, but it's like, what else are they doing behind the scenes? Good question. I, I don't even, I don't know. I, I didn't read a full book yet because I yeah, don't want the- to spoil myself again. And it's been a long time since I'd read it the first time, so that's going to be interesting the next few episodes. Yeah, I've, so I've never read it, and yeah. uh, so I'm just like throwing, you know, throwing noodles against the wall to see what sticks, but um, I don't know. Like, I just feel like Huxor Roxana has something going on. She's hiding something. I don't know what yet, but she's hiding something. Oh, she absolutely is. Everybody there is. Well, yeah, we left John behind when he was running away. From the dragon, mm-hmm. didn't look back, and mm-hmm. we just skipped three days ahead. Yep. Which is always the best and the worst which can happen in one of those books. And we come to when we find that he's gone running to Huxor Roxana. I guess she's got some sort of secret sauce that we need to work on. Right, Kara? Yeah, maybe. I mean, wow. <laughs> Get all the guys running to you for everything. I don't know if I want to have a guy running to me to hide himself from the police. Yeah, that's true. The military police. The military police, no less. And the Alpha Legion, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I don't want to be having contact with anybody who's hidden or who's running away from the NSA, the CIA, and the FBI at the same time. Right? Yes. 
Which, again, makes you wonder why she's agreed to it. I guess he's just really that nice. I don't know. It, no. I don't think there's a good explanation. Or maybe it follows up. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we are jumping to Monlo Harbor because the city is screaming and they have an important meeting. Or, well, Namachira. Jason, how do you pronounce this dude? Namachira. Namajira? Namajira. Why is there a T? It's a good question. No worries. <laughs> okay. So they have a meeting finally trying to figure out what's going on and he is unhappy how everything is going. As he greets the Alpha Legion. This is even a little before. We're yeah, he's dressing not... down everybody. Oh, right, right. Yeah, he is upset. But yeah. just a description of Namajira. Hmm? God, I do not like this person. I don't either, and I think his cape is so over the top. Right. Like, I, mean, I guess it, honest- it, has a, uh, it has a tradition or something, but still, it's a bit over the top. I think it's a really good, like, even here, where they're, um, let's see, how they describe his outfit. A frock coat of chrome plate armor over a deep water blue uniform and black riding boots with ornate chrome spurs. A floor-length cloak of painted silk hung off one of his shoulders, and a soldier standing to his left carried his first shako with the reverence ordinarily accorded to a holy relic. Now, comparatively, and I'm going to read, like, to his outfit when he's decked out to meet the Alpha Legion. I've heard it as kind of a common opinion um, from a lot of folks that uh, the Horus Heresy is somehow less less ornamental and like less ostentatious than 40k. And if ever there was evidence to point in the opposite direction, it's probably this novel. Yeah, look at this guy. How does his cape not catch on everything is my question. Yeah, that's because he has a super secret special agent just, just carrying it around his cape. Yeah. Okay. And he is the soldier who's carrying the cape is a veteran of the Lucifer Blacks. Uh, so he's he has a bridesmaid just to carry his his train. A That's super deadly bridesmaid. Yeah, super dead. Well, you know, maybe that's that's what he needs. Do you think I can hire somebody like that? <laughs> With enough money, anything is possible. That's fair. The mentioned guy, the who's part of the Lucifer Blacks. It is interesting to give a little bit of insight into the Lucifers, because they were. Elites, but I don't think they have been rebuilt as good as the Gino Chiliad. Or they have not been rebuilt at all. So I wonder why they're still around and how they keep them there. Well, apparently, from what they're saying in here, and what I've managed to piece together with a little bit of research, they were a really highly decorated veteran regiment but they were just reduced so badly during the unification wars and they didn't have that structure for replenishment like the Gino Chiliad did. Oh. And it's like they didn't want to disband them entirely because they were such effective veterans. So they essentially parted them out into like little teeny companies to like act as bodyguards or things like that. So they're just now highly specialized bodyguards, whatever, instead of being still a whole part of the army. That's interesting, yeah? Yeah. Oh, and uh, just a small side thing that I uh, figured out, too. They talk about uh, Lord Commander Namajira's Thysaline. Like, and I was kind of thinking it was like a tiny cat or something. 
Uh, Athysaline is actually more commonly known as a Tasmanian tiger. What? That yeah. dude has a Tasmanian tiger? Apparently. He's extra. I missed that. Yeah, <laughs> right? Ooh. Sometimes, some of those descriptions always make me wonder. It always sounds like Terra does not have any animals around anymore. But on a lot of those clothes, there's fur from rare animals. There are uh, feathers of ostriches. Like You need a whole zoo. Who, where do they get those things from? I would think that they would get them from some of the worlds that they've conquered and that they're taking the feathers and the you know, furs and things as a symbol of the power and, and domination that they had over the world that they could take this. Probably to just rename things which are similar, the same, like there are 500 different kinds of ostriches. But I mean, after all, it's just a big bird, black and white. It would make sense if there's so many offshoots of humanity that they're trying to bring back together during the Great Crusade. I mean, it isn't that far of a stretch to think there are like tons of different you know, variations on an ostrich on a ton of different planets. Yeah, maybe when they went left originally, they had like a tiny Noah's Ark and just brought a bunch of animals. Yeah. Or just clone them, I don't know. That's so, it. Like, grim, dark future, everything is possible. I'd like to imagine that they are uh, cloning ostriches just to have Plucked ornamental them. assholes around. <laughs> Hello, my dear ostrich, here. Let me pluck you, baby. <laughs> mm. In the Middle Ages, the, the richer you were, the prettier your food was supposed to be. So uh, ostriches were actually eaten during the Middle Ages just because they were a pretty animal. So they assumed that that would somehow make them superior to eat. Oh, yeah. I've heard they I... taste awful, by the way. Yeah. I had ostrich steak before. It's okay. All right. What? It's, it's been a while. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of peacocks. Oh, My bad. yeah. Peacocks were eaten because they were pretty. Blanche was attempting to climb the back of Jason's chair. I was a little bit distracted. Oh, Blanche. Oh, Blanche. She is, she's very needy today. Well, you gave her the wrong tuna. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to go open a new can. So, following the n- Namat... Nam- Namajira? Namajira, yeah. Namajira, he has a full-blown tantrum. He is unhappy. He's upset and he needs somebody to scream and blame. Well, this is where poor Major General Dev comes in. Major General. <laughs> sure. We we also uh, we listen to the audio files of the Dresden fi- uh, the Dresden files mm-hmm. and Major General Toot Toot is a big character, well, sort of minor character, but recurring from the Dresden Files. And he's about the size of a G.I. Joe, and he has purple hair. And he has, like, cobbled together armor from a Pepto-Bismol bottle at one point. Anyway, so every time I hear Major General, I imagine Major General Toot Toot reporting for service. <laughs> well, maybe he's as brave as Dev. After all, he's just standing there and um, taking it in. They even mention that uh, Namajira doesn't really come down to the uh, sort of theaters of war mm-hmm. he orchestrates, that it's really uncommon and it's a really bad sign that he's like so irritated with the progress here on Earth that he's doing it now. 
Yeah, he was. Uh, he's more of a hands-off guy. I think he's also very embarrassed that um, they actually need help from Astartes. Yeah. Nobody seems super happy, too, that it's the Alpha Legion that's shown up. Yeah, the Alpha Legion is like the red-headed stepchild. They're the newest guys, and nobody really likes them too much with, with the way they're fighting. Yeah, that's what... I forget who mentioned it, but um, it is actually mentioned in here that, like, oh, they only have, like, several decades of experience. Oh, yeah, no, this is him. It is uh, Nimajira. Uh -huh, okay. Yeah, he is... Um, he was he had, he had a personal talk with Horus apparently. Yeah. Which I also like they currently the Emperor and Horus they're still occupied with killing all the greenskins at Olonar. <laughs> and it specifically calls out that Horus takes the time out of his day to call around and make sure everybody else is on a good track and has a good time getting compliance on all the other planets while they're taking care of Olonar. And this just makes uh, Nemajura extra, extra unhappy. Because there he is, making all those great war efforts, and he just cannot show anything for it. He can't even be like, hey, yeah, sure, awesome, you got the greenskins. Uh, we got you this whole planet. Yeah, good luck with this greenskin horde. We're having a terrible problem with a bunch of subhuman peasants. Which <laughs> <laughs> also, again, he is not... Oh, he's, he's horrible. Why, why is nobody of the leaders in the Imperium any good? They do seem to just indignantly complain. It's like their one character trait. Yeah, right? Like, always the generals, they, they just lay back, complain, and are waiting for somebody else to solve the problems. But yeah, Dev, he is standing, taking it, and he does not get, um, taking his... What was it? Yeah, they were, he was ready to forfeit forever his rank and rights, but he didn't have to, luckily. Because apparently he has a little bit of grace less left. And I think I just have a normal mooting after that, pretty much. Well, as normal as it gets. Can you imagine you're just on a planet and suddenly the city you're trying to attack starts screaming? Like, I don't really know what to do out of it. Is it one big voice screaming? Is it just millions of people screaming at the same time? I don't think they ever pin it down. I mean, they do say it a lot. They, like, reference it constantly screaming, but they don't get super in detail, I guess. Yeah, it's audible and it goes in the minds of the fleet. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of the um, scream in the first heretic. Well, no, no, it's slightly different. Forget it. The first heretic, the, uh, the voice was screaming and sounding like um, humans, but it was somebody pretending to be and screaming out in the void. <laughs> so I guess that's kind of different. Oh, and Megan, your lizards make a comeback. Yeah. Oh, the harbor also turns pink. Don't Isn't there a river somewhere in the world which turns pink once in a while? And you're not allowed to touch it? Uh, if the water turns red, it's usually from a, a, a an algae bloom, and yeah. it's very toxic. Yeah, they mentioned that it's all an algae infection, and it just keeps spreading. So whatever is going on is not really well, uh, not really good in this city. There's one in Peru too that I think it's like iron oxide from the soil, but either way, I don't think that's what we've got here. No, I, I immediately thought about that algae bloom that would be toxic, and apparently it can burn your skin. 
That sounds about right, honestly. Kills off a bunch of fish. They have the Imperium in front of their house. That's not the only thing which is gonna kill uh, or gonna get killed, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, goddamn colonizers, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, after Namitra, Namadira. Namadira, yeah, I will not get his name right. After Namadira is done with the big, big meeting, he wants to have a smaller, pretty um, private meeting with a bunch of people, and our dear Aksaruksha is in there. Hmm? So far, there's something going on there. Yeah, so far nobody knows officially why some cities are able to get or why some cities were taken faster than others, and what has happened. You'd think they'd have better communication, better satellites, better like ability to look at some of these cities when you're that far in the future. I mean, they've mastered space travel, but they haven't mastered the art of, you know, sending a drone to take pictures over a city. Well, keep in mind, they have air magic, so pretty much anything which is flying in the air is getting destroyed instantly. Don't they have psychers that can, you know, balance the scales out with that? I don't know. I don't think that um, the the axers were too um, weak for it. And I don't remember what what is the consensus on normal psychers, Jason, in that time. Do are they still used? Are they not used at all? Are they just used in special um, applications? I think just in special applications. I mean, they're definitely still around. Uh, I mean, the all of the legions have their own librarians division. Yeah, but they are the legions, so I would assume the norm, normal forces of the imperial army just don't have any psychers you think they had they would have found some way to combat that though so that they can get intel well i think that's why namachira is so frustrated that was the same reason they couldn't uh offload drop ships directly into uh the middle of the cities or uh just bombard them from space yeah, because whatever they did, it always just kind of bounced off from the culture or from the, they used a shield or something to prevent the bombs from hitting. In other parts of Warhammer lore, how do you balance out the benefits given to a Psyker? See, it's already one of those things. Um, the question is if it was before or after Nakia. Because if it was before Nakia, they, they had librarians and they were actually using them. After Nakia was when uh, the Emperor decided, oh yeah, no, we're not going to use them anymore. Either they has just had stopped using the force. Uh, Dorn put them in a in, uh, prison cell. Thank you for just saying the force. Yeah, it's pretty much a force. That's the only way I can explain it for me. To me, <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's just funny, and uh, thank you because that is how I think of it as well. Right? Just makes the most sense. Reading through this again, I'm just wondering why in the world did um, they mention? How jealous Honan Mu, one of the axers, is of Ruksha? I don't know, just jealousy is just weird. Because her milkshake brings all the fellas to the yard? Yeah, I guess Honan was much younger and much shorter than the long-limbed Ruksha. She was much stronger perceptively and rather despised her, though she didn't mean to. I guess she's jealous because she's an adult? I don't get it. It is kind of a weird interaction. Like, it seems like Moo doesn't like Rukshana because Rukshana kind of knows her talent is starting to wane. And she's kind of grasping at straws to you know, kind of keep her spot before she has to be retired to one of the places, I don't know, Uxors go when they're out. Yeah, the burned out Uxors. 
don't know, it kind of seems like a startling lack of foresight, though, because Uxor Mu, like, isn't that much longer, you know, for her either. I mean, they have, um, let's see, Rukshana isn't even 30 yet. Yeah. So, like, at most, what Uxors have what, like a 15-year, you know, operational expectancy? I don't remember what they said. I know when they're like 15 or 12, 15 like this, they start being around other Oxers to help and learn from them. Yeah. But I don't know what the end date was or when they pretty much stop. I guess it's also depending on how strong you were. Yeah, because um, Rukshana is supposed to be, what, I think 28? Yeah, she's 28. And she's basically like already on the way yeah. out. So, I mean... Sh- Comparatively, like, Moo's not going to have that long either. It just seems like kind of a lack of foresight. You know, like a a 20-year-old, you know, considering like a 28-year-old, like, old. Hmm. I mean, to, fair, to be fair, you're after, after you're 18 year old. I kept saying this when I was 16, I stick to it. Yeah, Rukshana, she brings... Jason's philosophy is that anybody who's under 30 is young and dumb. <laughs> not necessarily. A lot of times. I mean, it's fair. That's fair. That's very fair. Present company excluded, but you know, there's <laughs> oh. just a lot of people in college who are very young. And I mean, like when I was in college, there was a girl that would have her mom come do her laundry. I'm like, you're in college. Maybe you can learn how to do your own laundry. But I digress. Yeah, you know, just just learning how to be a basic human or being a basic adult and doing all the things. It is hard. Apparently, yeah. it's really hard. It is hard. A lot of people do tend to seem to struggle with that concept, but maybe that's why I keep them. I keep them in groups at the beginning. Like if you have a whole group of people doing the exact same thing, or who are supposed to ta- do the same job, at least they can kind of learn off each other. I wonder if it's supposed to be like a maternal relationship almost with the senior Uxor and her. What do they call daughters? I think they're all sisters, but um, I don't know. I can't imagine it's really maternal because you pretty much raise up your the ones who take over your job that's weird i don't know what it's i don't know how it would be for me if i have to start teaching somebody who's going to take over my job and i'm going to go and have to work in the one which i hate yeah it is kind of a weird dynamic because they're essentially training underlings who are not just going to take over their job but i mean Essentially, like, you're training the people that are going to take over before you're stuck in, like, an old folks home. I wonder, though, if your underlings perform very well if you get a better nursing home. You know, like, if your retirement is made better because you did a good job training your underlings. Maybe. There would have to be some sort of incentive for them to do a good job training their underlings. I mean, please, whatever... What is it, Uxo, no, Gino first, Imperium second, something like that? You always want to make sure whoever, uh, all your family members are looking really good and sounded like they're pretty much all considered family. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's, uh, yeah. it's a weird, it's just such an odd way of doing things, but apparently it worked out for them. Oh, well, the Emperor did take them as like a blueprint to, you know, pirate things from. So. Yeah, and it did not work not out at all, right? It was a perfect plan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love the emperor is just the worst being in the universe. He, Absolutely. he is. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Very dumb about a lot of things. 
I actually worked with a dietitian who had been a dietitian in the military. And she said that it was standard and expected that you were going to train your replacement. But you wanted to do a good job because if you trained your replacement to do a good job, it tended to help you get promotions and it helped you look better to your superiors. And since you knew that any position you were in was rel- relatively temporary, it, it was a benefit all around to have that sort of a warm handoff. So I guess that's why I was applying that in this situation. That Oh no, that makes a lot of sense, especially considering they know they're military and they should be aware that it's all, everything is only temporarily. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, so I don't think at this point Rukshana, or she, I don't think she actually knows that the Alpha Legion is involved yet. Honan knows it. She was talking to one of the specialists, and yeah, they just keep ta- they talk a little bit about intelligence, and they mention our dear Koenig Hanneken. because uh-huh. he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they managed to keep that up for all of like. A page and a half? Honestly, it's not even that long. Like, he never came back, and then right away, she's like, yep, she's lying. Or if not lying, she's shielding the truth. Right? It's like, the other Uxor knows she's lying, Namit Jira and Dinas Chain know she's lying. She doesn't know that they all like, know that she's lying. Does she? I don't think so. Because Namit Jira uses this moment to um, tell everybody, well, at least everybody in this room, um, that the Astartes, or that um, the Alpha Legion is here to help them. Which apparently was super surprising for a lot of them. Well, I think I think this kind of highlights a little bit that the Astartes aren't all that common. I mean, when we read novels like this, I think we kind of get a different kind of biased viewpoint towards it. But considering how many... Oh, gosh, I forgot. Um, it's something like 2,200 uh, compliance fleets, expeditionary fleets altogether you know, that we ended up learning about in Horus Rising. Yeah. And when there's so many of them, and at most, there may be, very, very liberally speaking, 5 million Astartes, it's like they can't be that widely utilized, you know, when they're talking about taking over a million worlds at the height of the Great Crusade. I honestly think, like, the normal human regiments are kind of, except in exceptional circumstances, not that used to working besides them. Okay, and I'm not disagreeing with that, but I've seen a whole lot of games, and there are not that many mortal militias, militaries, whatever you want to say. There aren't that many and there doesn't seem to be a lot of lore behind the non-augmented humans because you keep saying that like what is it you have a you have a militia army and you have what's your other mortal army solar auxilia solar auxilia and you tell me that solar auxilia is not a militia but to me if they're mortal unaugmented humans they're all militias but there doesn't seem to be a lot of lore behind that. So I'm not disagreeing with you, but why is there not as much lore behind all of the human armies as I there mean, are Astartes? I think it's also because uh, if you are a mortal within the Imperial Army, the chances that you're dying is extremely high. Nobody wants to listen or read a book where they just keep dying. Like, you gotta... No, you should not read 300 hours. No, 30 hours? 3 hours? 15 hours? Yes, 15 hours. 
This book explains everything you need to know about the Imperial Army and it's a horrible book and I hate Austin for it, but it's also a really good one. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Per well, professional disagree. Uh, 15 Hours is one of my favorite 40k books. It is books. great, but also horrible. Uh, it broke my heart. I mean, it, it's the story of R.V. Larn, Interstellar Alpaca yes. Farmer. But what I'm saying is, if there are that many human armies, what were they doing during the heresy, and what were they doing in other? You know, I, I feel like they were like also fighting. They were also fighting, but usually, I don't think there's a focus on them because pretty much what they do, they start their meat shields. They are used for things where you know, no matter what you send in, they will die. So you just send immortals because the Astartes are too worth, um, too worth too much to. Um, costful to send them in for things where you know they are definitely gonna die that's a good point that's a, that's a good point thank you caro that actually is an explanation that makes sense to me i also think they only they only call up upon astartes when they they themselves lost just too much when they really can't see there's no way for us to getting it and it seems like they reached a point here finally reluctantly i mean imagine you could have the super awesome heroes of the Imperium who have been around for 50, 60, 100 years, I don't know how long even. And then you get the new kids who nobody knows anything about and they're kind of hiding and not even fighting glorious battles side by side with other mortals. <laughs> this is true. And uh, they kind of seem to cause some problems for their own side just as much. Um... Like, uh, when Pedo Sonica finally makes it back mm -hmm. here, uh, after this ill-fated administrative meeting, and tries to talk to Uxor Mu, because he and Bronzy are convinced that they spoke to Uxor Mu uh, right before Visages was burned to the ground. And, uh, surprise, Uxor Mu has no idea what Sonica is talking about. And uh, it's a pretty uh, awkward conversation to have because halfway through he has to fake that, you know, he's suffering from heat exhaustion. Yeah. Okay, so there's one thing I told you about. The dead body, what is... You know what? No, 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 sorry. I was just, I was just freaking out. I didn't drink enough. I don't think he's going to be a good actor. <laughs> Right. Also interesting. We so Rukshana was lying. They leave, and the commander is putting up people on her, and uh, Hon and Mu is also putting up people on her. But neither of them tells the other one that they're doing it because right. it needs to be dealt internally with. And I don't know what the Lord Commander wants. I guess he doesn't want to be um, get embarrassed that they are that something left uh, slipped through his eyes. There are just so many parties spying on each other. Yes. Yes. I feel like I finally got a little bit more of a handle of who's who's monitoring who after we got to these chapters. Because before this, it was just, yes. Everybody. You just have to assume that everybody's monitoring everybody else. Right, it's, it sounds like the DDR. Everybody could be spying, probably is, but you don't really know. And there are some people definitely who are spying, but you can't tell what they're doing. You have to wonder if they weren't spending this much time spying on each other, how much more work could they get done? 
fair. Maybe the compliance would work out if it would just stop trying to figure out what the other one right? is doing next. I think it's kind of weird, though, that... So, Uxor Rakshana goes into this meeting with Namajira, gets briefly questioned, and leaves. And instantly, everybody was like, nope, she's lying. Yep. Like, just instantly, like, five different parties are like, no, she's definitely lying about something. But Hato Sonica goes through this whole thing of, like, trying to fake heat stroke with Onan Mu, and suddenly, like, nobody considers that suspicious. Like... That they say. <laughs> I mean... But it's like, they don't hide, you know, they don't post guards on Hato Sonica. Uh, apparently, women are flighty, and, you know, men aren't, so therefore, uh, the lady needs to be monitored more than the man does. Also, I think he's he's less important, or has less of a rank. The Oxer is pretty, pretty important, and it could be very embarrassing if she did something bad. Meanwhile, Sonica seems like, well, he's not a standard soldier, but he's also not very important. I Comparatively, so... I think the way it works is a basha is the equivalent to something like a squad leader, like a sergeant. And a hetman is like kind of their version of a lieutenant, where the uxors are like field commanders, as near as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And then, let's see. Oh, then uh, the gene whips. So they are the strict regulators of the Chiliad's ethos, especially empowered to maintain levels of conduct and morale. And to enforce discipline and punishment. So they're commissars. Yeah. And at this point, so... I mean, Uxor Mu does get one of the gene whips to... Go to Rukshana? Yeah, after Rukshana. Which really gets me is, like, after... This is immediately after. Like, they're even part of the same conversation. A gene whip boon. Mm-hmm. So... He comes into the conversation with Pedo Sonica, like, right when he's like, oh, sorry, must be, like, desert heat stroke, and then goes off. And, like, Boone and Moo look at each other, and they're like, huh, that's weird. Well, anywho, uh, I need you to start following Uxor Rukshana around and figuring out what's going on with that. I mean, but keep in mind, Sonica was also losing, or, well, he went through a lot. Um, potentially, uh, Moo just likes him. Which helps if she, while well, she doesn't like Rukshana, and she had a clear feel that he was lying. While Sonica, at least, it felt probably to her that he was trying to tell the truth. And if you then compare, or you think he's thinking he's telling the truth, but at the same time, he's also went through a lot and probably is batshit crazy from their perspective. <laughs> so I would still probably go for whoever could threaten the Oxors. Because, again, he's just, he's still in the line. The Oxors, if you start having them falling or doing fishy stuff, it could be the end of all of them. Because no matter how great a tool is, once they, uh, once your own dog bites you, at least in the military, they're not going to keep you around. Can't argue with that. Yeah, right after we're trying to figure out, or why they right, try to figure out what uh, Rokshana's hiding, we figure out what she's hiding. And she's hiding the one, the only, and the best, John Chromaticus. I don't know. He seems a little sad to me. He is pretty sad, but he's the one and the only. He's, <laughs> he's sad, but he do his best. <laughs> he, he gets the participation trophy. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing has really gone that well for him yet. What? 
he's complete. Well, the move, the move he did went really well for him. <laughs> yeah, inexplicably well, but suspiciously well. Nothing. All right, let me rephrase. Nothing professionally has gone that well for yeah. him because he tried to make contact with the Alpha Legion, ended up getting like out James bonded by them, and then just straight up ran away when like the giant garbage dragon like climbs out of the street. And that's how well his job has been going so far, which is not terrifically. Like the cabal are like using every, you know, reflective surface to like make fun of him for like shacking up with this girl. They're not happy well, with him. They're not him. fun, they're just scolding him. <laughs> but, but then they just go quiet and he doesn't know what that I mean means. I guess they just ignore him because he just he knows he didn't do well. Yeah, I'd be scared. I don't know. I, it's just been my experience yeah. that sometimes when management goes silent, you better be careful. Oh, yeah, that's scary. The hammer's about to come down. They're planning something, but they don't know what. But yeah, it's so fascinating. He, they, she keep, they also talk about how much she is risking for him. Right? And it's still, they've known each other like two weeks. It just, it doesn't make that much sense. No, it doesn't. I mean, rule of thumb, don't move in with somebody if you don't know them for at least a year, and don't marry if you don't didn't move in with each other first. But I guess they just skip this whole thing. They just go for two weeks. Yep, I'm gonna let you're allowed to hide. Not gonna tell anybody. I might get killed, but it's fine. I love you. Yeah, no. Probably. I mean, no. the bond between had just grown out of honest attraction. That's true love, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> nope. I'm calling bullshit on that, Kara. Oh, absolutely. We're gonna, I don't know what it is, but it's bullshit. So, all right. With the end of that, we end up at chapter six. <laughs> and this is one of the things I wanted to touch on before. Uh, if you thought Namit Jira's outfit was ridiculous oh, before. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my gosh. It's like an entire page. Hang on. Let me see if I can... Okay, here we go. Uh, so to meet with the, or who they think is the Primarch of the Alpha Legion, this is what he's wearing. Uh, gold plate armor with a fan of ostrich feathers around his head and a 10 meter, that's more than 30 feet, cape of peacock eyes held out behind him by his slaves. Liquid gold had been delicately painted onto his face by his cosmetician and it had dried to form a tissue thin mask. He held a silver Mughal mace in one hand, the sunlight glinting off its many jewels, and a golden ritual sainty in the other. The torso of his armor was engineered with two extra pairs of cybernetic limbs, and these spread to clutch a pair of daggers and a pair of sabers. Six arms extended, Namajira, resembled the death goddess of ancient Sind myth. Ridiculous. And of course, his, like, thysaline is, like, hanging out. Thysaline? Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, the Marsupial Tiger from Taproof Brain. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah. they were back engineered from the DNA samples during the unification era. That makes sense. Now we know how to get all the stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's similar to uh, Ark and Land's Artifice Simeon. This monkey? Yeah. I don't know. I think that he didn't he build a monkey? Build. How do you build a monkey? Well, he's, he's real good at it. I mean, like, genetically or? He's like a tiny automata, sort of. Sort of. He's like a tiny robot who acts like a monkey and for some reason also has a poisonous tail. 
because that's clearly how monkey work. Well, I mean, it even says in Master of Mankind, yeah. like, obviously the tail, sh it couldn't be prehensile. That would be absurd. It must be a method for delivering venomous stings. It's the only thing that makes sense. So here's a tiny monkey. I love how this excites you. I love that this is like... Don't you want to have a monkey with a poison tail? <laughs> no. Aww. No, I don't. Because uh, I am I am accident prone and I would probably get stabbed and poisoned myself. Oh, so fair. that is why I do not want to have that around me. I, you know when spiky shoes were really popular a couple of years ago? Like spiky boots mm -hmm. and stuff? I... I tried to pair on, I stabbed myself with them, and I was like, these are not for me. <laughs> so, do I? <laughs> well, it's, it's fair. It's just fair. I stabbed myself with them in the store. I, yeah. yeah so. Sometimes you just yeah. need to read the signs and be like, yep, nope. Nope. So, do I want to have, do I want to have a monkey with a poison tail? No. No, I don't. Not safe for me. So, so I'm trying to see what... Aren't the Lucifer Blacks don't seem like they are as dressed up as he is. They're not. But everybody else is. But I was doing some math, some quick math here. <laughs> Apparently, peacock feathers can grow to be up to six feet long. Uh, Namat Jira's fan of his 10 meter cape of peacock eyes. Uh, let's see, 10 meters, that's what, 33 feet? Uh, so that would be something like five and a half peacock feathers just long. And then God knows how wide it is. Like, how many ridiculously rare genetically engineered peacocks would it take just to make his giant ostentatious cake? Next question is also, do they wait till they fall out or do they pluck them? Oh, definitely pluck them. This is the Imperium. Fair. Fair. They probably engineered them, like, just to... Like, yank their tail feathers off. Probably it's more tail feather. Yeah. Probably peacocks don't look like what we know anymore. They're just a giant fan with those feathers. <laughs> right, because they've been, like, you know, selectively bred for, you know, ostentatious military commanders yeah. to, like, use their tail feathers and things. I love that you're talking about the feathers, but not the fact that he has his own uh, slaves makeup artist Ooh. to gently apply liquid gold to his face. I mean, that's weird too, but I feel like it has less like weird implications. And a goal. How many men fly around in space with their own beautician? All I of mean, them. Well, obviously, makeup artist. He's not even all like of them. his hairdresser or anything. All he does is his makeup. I mean, we don't know. Maybe it's multi-purpose. Maybe one of the Lucifer Blacks knows really well how to do it. Would that be more or less weird if like Dina's chain was his bodyguard, but also like did his makeup before a show. I mean, Hawkeye well, really knows. Said, what did they call him? Oh, true. Painted onto a face by his cosmeticians. Maybe his yeah. slaves are also his cosmeticians. That's possible. I'd believe that more than one of his bodyguards. It would be fabulous. You gotta be good with makeup if you're a bodyguard or one of those. Because how else are you going to um, hide away with other people if you don't use makeup to change your face up? Oh yeah, Serendip is, by the way, uh, the Tasmanian Devil's name is Serendip. I wonder if that's a reference to, like, the three princes of Serendip. I'm sure with Dan Abnett, it has some weird, like, connection with literature somewhere. I'm just not sure what it is. Probably. Oh, maybe. Um, it's the Persian name for Sri Lanka. Maybe that's where... Yeah, maybe. 
But yeah, she's not. Um, um, Nana, where, where, where is he? Ah, Nema Jira. Uh -huh. He is not the only one who's dressed up real well. He's just the most fabulous out of all of them. He is Lady Gaga. The others are uh -huh. just the other stars. Like, they're still trying to dress up. Um, a veil standard of the turn, a four meter golden pole surmounted with a diamond checker tail and the gilt crest of the Pontus Exynos. And we have a uh, Genera Cash with chrome armor, sword with spikes and re um, recurve barbs? Recurve barbs, I guess. That seemed more the embodiment of a vicious trap than a person. So everybody brings out their best dress, but he is just God. Doesn't he also have a eunuch somewhere? I remember reading it, I just... Probably several. Yeah. Because clearly you need those. Obviously. I mean, if you're going to live this over the top, you need to have a few eunuchs around. Especially if maybe they carry the peacock feathers. <laughs> I would assume the eunuchs are a nod to uh, China and the imperial court. They felt like eunuchs were superior mm. because they wouldn't be trying to sleep with anyone. They wouldn't have children uh, to try to place into high positions. So they would be more loyal. There we go. I found it. The Grand Cavadier, Skarnar of Great Uncle, was one of the Emperor's foremost advisor and confidants. Kedif Kedif Sherard stood on a small graph disc suspended half a meter above the sand. The train of his grey robe, cut with a bad wing edge, was held up behind him by Eunoik? Eunoik? I can't pronounce the word. Eunoik? I guess Eunoik slaves? Each slave pulling taught a point of the bad wing, so that it seemed as if Sherrod was spreading great pioneers to ascend into the sky. <laughs> this, this is like a rock concert. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> I'm so I somehow missed that one uh, when we were reading through it, but I, you just gave me the mental image of a of a Halloween movie I used to watch as a kid called The Worst Witch. Oh no, I need to watch that movie. Oh, y you do. It's a treasure. Uh, it's got Tim Curry in it, and when Tim Curry is the Grand ma Maester, uh, Master comes through. He's the Grand Wizard, and he comes in for this reception on Halloween night. And he has this big flowing cape that's supposed to look like a bat. There we go. That's him. That's clearly him here. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible 80s movie, and now that's in my head. I wonder if... Uh, uh, now I feel like he needs to sing. Hmm. We, have, we have so many glorious people, and we also have uh, the Oxers there. Hanging around, I guess. Doesn't it make you wonder what they are wearing? Good question. It, it is actually not described, so... Maybe the uniforms? Hey. Yeah, they are looking like right off a horror movie or uh, somewhere. It's just nuts. And the Astartes just walk up and I don't think there's any specially clothed. They just have their ar uh, the armor. The, uh, the purple-green one. Purple-green-silver, right? And that's it. They're pretty low effort, I guess. Do the Astartes have special dress armor? I don't know. I think they just have one set of armor, and it's e if when they're not fighting, it's um, kept in shape by um, people. I know when you're important enough, you get your own armor slaves. So probably it looks glorious if you're high enough, and otherwise it just looks okay. It doesn't seem like the Astartes kind of 
and at least not in 30k. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they ascribe to the same sorts of grandeur and ornamentality with uh, with their armor. And I'm sure we could probably find some examples of like exceptions to that. But like, <laughs> Emperor's I mean, children. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> clearly. But, like, here, Alfarius just shows up in normal armor like all of his other Astartes. Mm-hmm. And he shows his face, though. Yeah, but I, have, I mean, even without reading it I, uh, and not really knowing much about the Alpha Legion, I was like, I don't think that's Alfarius. Right. The next thing is also, every time, well, a lot of the times, for some reason, when Primarchs are introduced, the people around them start either crying, get nuts, or start peeing themselves. This does not happen. So I don't know. Is it is it Alfarius? Is it not Alfarius? Do we know? We will never know. Maybe. But I also do the blood cutting, which is super nasty. <laughs> well, no, they're blood brothers now. What I thought was kind of odd, and I'm not sure if Dan Abnett is specifically making like this parallel, but um, like consciously or not, Probably. I feel like he's a really good writer. It has to be intentional. Uh, in the Gaunt's Ghost books in 40k, uh, one of the big enemies of the entire series are the Blood Pact. They're like a um, Cornate-themed uh, cultist group, but they're super dangerous because they're actually regimented and trained and drilled like the Imperial Guard. Uh, their entire deal is they will ritually slice the palms of their hands against their Archon's armor in pretty much the exact same way that Namajira does here in order to make the blood pact with Alfarius. And I thought that was kind of a neat parallel. It is. The, honestly, the only, thing I was th- the only thing I was thinking about is hopefully all of them have the vaccinations. I don't know what you could catch. Especially, I don't know what El- if Alpha Legion blood or if Astarte blood and blood from normal people does do well with each other, or if it's causing. Problems. I wouldn't think there would be enough blood that would be. That's fair. Actually swapped. There are a couple of instances, and this is a completely different circumstance, but of Astartes giving uh, normal humans injections of Astartes plasma. Uh, in order to help repair grievous injuries, because the Laramon cells, oh, yeah. like in the Astartes uh, blood flow, you know, will help clot and heal and repair wounds a lot quicker. Sorry, one one other thing: they um, right before they give it to each other's hand, the slaves let go of the giant peacock, um, <laughs> the peacock cape to let it fly around in the air. Do they have somewhere a giant fan so it looks awesome enough? Or is there? Is he just lucky with the weather? I I don't think that af- wearing this outfit, he knew what he was doing. That's all I'm saying. It was intentional. But they had to have a fan hidden somewhere. I would think. And yeah, after they do the blood mixing, finally, I am a Farius for the Emperor, my lord. And we skip to John. <sighs> Poor sad John. I don't know. I just feel like... Okay, so... <sighs> This is where John is attempting to kind of like spy on the big giant party going on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So 
I feel like this is just another instance of him really not being that great at his job. Like, uh, I, I think he's desperate now. He's desperate. He's tired. He doesn't know what to do. And this is like a last ditch attempt. It doesn't seem very well thought out. Oh, no, he's um, he's improvising really hard. And his blub cover is more or less blown. He can go. He cannot go out in the open because the Alpha Legion is looking for him. He can go back to everybody else because they would also know right away if um, Grammaticus, Grammaticus come back, comes back. Now it's public knowledge that the Alpha Legion is involved. Oh, right. I remember um, there's that goofy scene where the gene whips break into uh, Uxor Rukshana's mm-hmm. quarters, too. And he has to, like, use his Logokine abilities to pretend to be one of the other hits. At first, he gets uh, first he gets encountered by Lucifer Black. Oh, right, right. Dinos, that- yeah. He is watching them from far away. Just trying right, to figure things right, out, right. and Lucifer Black is right behind him. Watching him, knowing, trying to get on him. Coiling like a cut and pouncing. And he's so, so cocky. Better luck next time. Cocky for what reason? Because he can. You know, I just... Right. I mean, because up until now, again, he hasn't been very good at his job. No, he hasn't. Well, when you can live forever, you know you got another chance to get it right in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just got a picture from Blanche. That's great. <laughs> That's the look she's giving me right now. No, because she's she's hungry, and we are not we are not stopping this to go give her food. <laughs> For once, her face really expresses how she feels. Yeah, <laughs> it's very pouty right mm-hmm. now. Um, so John, I just feel like he's cocky for no reason. He's just he gets. Into this whole, you know, leaving notes. And I'm like, you know your cover's blown. You're already on the lamb, And now you're leaving notes? Like, how dumb do you have to be? I think he just is overconfident. Being, just, see. But why? Well, if he gets killed, it's not like he really dies. Being perpetual, he always has a second chance. So why not play with your life for once? I don't know. I don't think John is really smart sometimes. <laughs> Just because you live a long so. time doesn't mean you're smart. True, but you'd think you'd learn something after a while. That's one of my theory. I kind of have the theory he starts forgetting things, which if they didn't work out that well, and he only remembers the amazing things. And that's why he's extra cocky. Uh, yeah, so that's why he's overconfident. Maybe. If you'd only remember how awesome you are. Hmm. Selective memory. Maybe so. Maybe so. And we leave, um, we leave Devon, is his name? No, Chain. Dinah's Chain. We leave him behind with the note and go back to Sonica. And Sonica, I don't even know where he is. I think he just went in the hospital wing to try and uh, get back to normal, at least pretend to go back to normal after he was absolutely exhausted before. Mm-hmm. He wanted to carry the dancer's sign. Oh, yeah, he wanted to carry the dancer's standard, even though I don't think there are any dancers left anymore, pretty much. He's not quite the last one, Mm -hmm. but not a whole bunch kicking around anymore. That was kind of sad. 
Not bad. Oh, Jin, Lon, and Sha. Yeah, those four seem to be the last ones. Yeah, no, the last ten dancers. There are only ten left. So I guess, yeah. But he, they're still trying, and he finds a head, which I, uh, my theory is Bronzy left behind for some reason. That would kind of make sense. Like, as a... So, because he, Shaban, and um, Sonica were like the only ones, well, not left alive now, but pretty much he and Sonica are the only two that know about the head game anymore. You don't think the others, uh, the other dancers played it? Wait, I, I just got the joke there. Oh. They're, they're playing a literal head game. Yeah. Oh, I it. oh I, no. I, okay. That's such a bad pun. That's, That's a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Dan Abdent, master of dad jokes. Oh, gosh. I can't believe how many times I've... I think this is probably the third time I've read mm-hmm. this book, and I never got that they were literally playing a head game. Yeah. Like... <laughs> oh, man. That's bad. Dan, if you listen to this, this joke is bad and you should should feel bad. A little bit, at least. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to listen oh, to this. Clearly. No I mean, who, who else? But yeah, uh, back to Gethard. He has also the same conclusion we came to. He is... No, no. John, John has the same idea. He knows he's cocky. And John is um, kind of upset that he did it, but it's a bit too late, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Maybe a moment of insight. Uh, just side note, Blanche jumped down and now she's huffing at us. Did you just meow? She did, Aww. yes. Poor Blanche. Nobody ever feeds her. I. She just heard you say her name and she responded. I don't know if you heard no, her. No, I didn't. That's awesome. She'll be alright. She'll, she'll be okay. No, I, we also never feed our bunnies, so it's fine. Yeah, I, exactly, yeah. You, very neglected. Extremely. Uh, but yeah, so sorry, getting back to the story, he's like, oh yeah, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have been so cocky. And it, and then again, things just go downhill for him. It's like, why, why are you doing this? Why does he think he can get away with it? Yeah, especially when he gets back to his hiding spot and there are people right there trying to figure out what's going on. <sighs> so this feels like another, wait. I don't know. This feels like another awkward moment, like out of some sort of like teen comedy, where Grammaticus like has to pretend to be one of the other heads, and he doesn't even try that hard. He just uses his uh, logokine powers to kind of. Well, I guess this isn't even a logokine power, but his psychic powers to just kind of bulldoze through it and make. You know, the gene whips, you know, kind of go along with it. And it doesn't even last that long. And I think it ends up making the gene whips even more suspicious. I mean, it was, it was a plan which just he didn't think about. It's one of those, yeah, let's just do something. I mean, to be fair, it's pretty awesome how he pulled it off that it worked out. I'm pretty surprised and amazed that it happens or that he's able to do it. But goddamn, couldn't you have thought about something better? <laughs> Did he have to be naked is another. I guess that's the whole thing. You don't want to look a naked man in the eyes. <laughs> or you don't want <laughs> to look at a naked man, yeah. I guess. Just kind of, I would I just assume if your supervisor comes out butt naked, you just kind of like find a wall very interesting. 
Okay, good point. Kaido Pius, oh boy. No, just... Yeah, John takes off all his clothes, come out of the bedroom, and just gives those guys a dressing down how they dare. Well, not even, just... Makes him uncomfortable, a bit squirmy. Uh, if I walked in and saw my supervisor naked, I'd be squirmy. Oh god, no, I don't want, even want to think about it. Uh, I've never actually met my, uh, my manager face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, I met my old manager face-to-face, but, uh, you know, COVID and everything. My new manager lives in Texas. Yeah, I, so if I were to walk in and meet him for the first time and he's buck naked, I would, I think we'd both be horribly, horribly embarrassed looking elsewhere and we would never want to mention it. Yeah. So I get where he's coming from with that. I think of his choices, that's probably the best one because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. It's not like he wants to kill anybody. He just wants them to go away so he has time to try to slink off to this party that they're having. Yeah, it's fair. He's just trying to... Um avoid them taking her stuff and figuring more things out. So having a low right. bed and cover? This is a few minutes to get them distracted so that he can slip out the back door. Well, no, he's not able to, he's not even able to slip out. He just kind of passes out after doing this because it's so exhausting. Yes. But I, I just meant so that he can go True. to the dinner. He wants them confused long enough that he can make it to the dinner. That's fair, yeah. And he didn't have to harm anybody. He didn't have to get into a fight. He didn't have to break anything. Didn't kill anybody. It's fairly clean. And, and he didn't do that great of a job, I guess, because right after they walk out, they are already kind of doubting that it's true. Yes. Yes. I don't think he did a, a good job, but he, tr- he tried his best. And it worked for long enough for him for that moment. And we have some locker room conversation between them. About Rakshana. Just, it was Pius, wasn't it? Pius. Isn't that also a Roman guy? Yes. Pido Pius. Yes. Pius was a. Probably. I think you're thinking more of like Pontius Pilate, but. Pontius Pilatus. Yeah, no, that's a different one, I think. Yeah. But he also picked like the worst person he could just because Pius is right away somewhere else. Right. And visible. So I also wondered, why didn't they turn around right away again and went back to search everything? Now they know whoever this naked person was inside is definitely not Kate and not Pius. But so why don't they turn around and try to figure out who it really is? It just seems like they kind of like keep carrying on with their day. Uh, because they have to set up an ambush for Kato Sonica. Oh, because clearly the naked man in her room lied, so we need to get her. <laughs> right. Of course, go for the girl. Don't, don't, no, don't, go for whoever's apartment is. Ignore that somebody broke in and is naked in there. Yes! I feel like this, I'm just saying that on several of these things, they treat differently the ladies versus the men. They do. It does feel like even, I mean, they're supposed to be like political and discipline officers. Like, at the very least, wouldn't you now be concerned that there's some, like, grievous, like, HR incident in the making? (laughs) I don't think they have HR there. (laughs) I don't think they do either. But somebody's got to demote those uxors once they start losing some of their power. So, uh, Kaido Pius being visible, we jump right to him and Sonico. 
because they are absolutely happy they saw each other or see each other again, just talking a bit about the good old times, what's going to happen with the dancers, all the good things. And Sonica sees Hurt. Right. Hurtado. Thank you. And doesn't even say anything, just like, no, turns and walks off into the crowd. Yeah, he, like he frowns. Hurt! Hi! And he just gives you a bitch face and turns around. That's, that's hurtful. At least he doesn't follow them. Because this is how human interactions work. Not at all. No, 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 clear. See, I have a long tradition. Every time I go back to Germany, whenever I see somebody I went to school with, I just look at them angry and turn around and walk away. <laughs> you can tell I was not very popular in school. So, no, I'm not doing that. Not yet, at least. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Heresy Book Club, part of the Remembrancers Retreat, a Warhammer 30k Horus Heresy podcast series. As always, we'd like to thank our patrons for their support, starting with our Legion Praetors, Alex Self, Chaplain Asar, Chris Mack, Gardner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Luke Rizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, Nicholas Quenga, Sar Luther, Taco Tuesday or Bus 22 Rock and Roll McDonald's, and What's Ligma? Our Legion Centurions, Aaron Maynard, Andrew N., Angry Boy, Dave Jones, Duncan, Ed, Jerry Austin, John Christensen, M. Tanzer, Gore Crow, Queen Corswain, Scott LeMay, and the original Applesauce. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Agrippina, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, Mr. Sear, Nicholas Gillen, the entirety of Legio Audax, the Zoi, and What Do I Call Myself. Once again, thanks again for all your support. And if you'd like to become a patron, go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at rr30k podcast, on Instagram at rr30k, and be sure to visit our website, rr30k.com. Thanks again, and keep those dice rolling.